Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hi, everybody. John Manuel, J.J. Cooper, Mike LaDana. I thought we'd start 2017 Baseball America podcast with a Dr. Uh, Dr. Nick reference. Dr. Nick. It just felt appropriate because we've only done three podcasts in the month of December. So I apologize for... Uh, well, I don't apologize for the podcast, actually. We had to do a prospect handbook. We had to cover <laughs> the winter things, meetings. Those things took priority. Uh, especially, the prospect handbook is a, uh, a massive, uh, it takes a lot of time. It's a product that we make that people pay for, and ultimately that takes priority over a product that people don't pay for. So that's kind of how I prioritize that in my head. So it's a very busy month, two issues of the magazine, fantasy magazine, prospect handbook, all out the door in that month of December, uh, also with the holiday and uh the holiday season and the, and the winter meeting. So we thank you for persevering with us through that month. I'm going to be uh, around here sparsely the next couple of weeks, but JJ has promised that he's going to plow on. through these podcasts the next couple of weeks and get you caught up. And we are trying to get caught up, and that's why Mike Lanana is here. We're going to catch you up with the American League Central, finally finishing it. I'm sure Twins fans have been waiting with bated <laughs> breath, Mike, since your chat to oh, talk yeah. more Twins with you. But uh, they do get to talk more Twins today as we wrap up the American League Central podcast. And a couple things stand out to us, I guess, uh, Mike. For, and I, don't, I know you can talk more to the Twins, but the rest of the American, the American League Central, before the White Sox totally blew up their team, and they haven't totally blown it up yet. They're still in the process of set blowing up. up to go. Yes. Um, but this was, a, this was a den of bad farm systems before. Uh, the White Sox before were bad. Uh, the Royals farm system is not a good farm system. It's a bottom five-ish farm system. Same thing with the Tigres, same thing with the Tigers. I always forget one of the other teams. And the Twins and the, the Indians. Indians. Are, the Indians are a middle of the pack. Type. I think it's fair to say that outside of the reconstituted White Sox, the rest of these are bottom half farm systems. When you were running the Twins, and last year you did Rockies, this year you did Twins, mm-hmm. um, did you feel as you were writing it, because like, last year's Rocky system was quite robust, did you sense as soon as you were doing the research, hmm, the system's not as good. Like, yeah. Was it, was it obvious? Yeah, there was definitely a stark contrast when I started trying to put together the top 10. Last year with the Rockies, it was trying to figure out who am I going to leave out of this top 10, whereas right. this year it's like, okay, is this guy really a top 10 kind of guy? You know, guys like, you know, Daniel Palka at the, at the back end, you know, right. guy, guys like that, for instance, no offense to him, but, you know, guys guys like that. And, yeah, I mean, it, it was difficult. Daniel just texted me none taken. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, know, part, you know, and part of the problem with them is just because – and we talked about this a little bit before we, we started here, was just that they graduated so much talent and, you know, Byron Buxton and Barrios and Kepler and, and right. all those kinds of guys who really sapped the top ten. So it, w- it was difficult for sure. I mean, you look at this top ten and there's really not a, a can't-miss kind of guy, you know, kind of a no-doubt slam dunk. This guy's going to be a superstar really in this top ten. It's a weird top ten because Nick Gordon, I mean, for people who don't have it in front of them, Nick Gordon, Steven Gonsalves, Alex Kirilov this year's, First round pick. That's your top three: Fernando Romero, Tyler J, Alberto Mejia, uh, four, five, and six. Cole Stewart, Felix Jorge, Daniel Palka, Travis Blankenhorn. One of my favorite names in the whole book. He seems like he was destined to play for the Minnesota Vikings. Not to mention the Twins. Travis Blankenhorn. I imagine that spread over like a number fifty-six jersey. Like he should be a right guard for an off a football team with that name. Um, but th- you could have shaken that list up. Really the first five guys, right? I mean, like Tyler J was the sixth overall pick. Cole Stewart was the fourth overall pick in a draft. Yeah. And to me, it's like that's where it starts is that this 
franchise is still looking for pitching, Mike, and yet Gonsalves, Romero, Jay, Mejia, Stewart, Jorge, those guys all have hickeys, and they, but they, they've been trying to find pitching, <laughs> and, have they not? And that's with yeah. Jay O'Barrios having graduated, but having more hickeys now than he had. Jay O'Barrios <laughs> being like, oh, thank God for Dylan Overton's yeah. debut. <laughs> Took me off the hook a little bit. Yeah, I mean, all these guys, you know, as you, as you said, they have their, their hickeys, they have their warts. And, uh, you know, you look at Tyler J, there's still people divided as far as what he's going to be. A lot of people that I talk to seem to think he's going to end up as a reliever. You saw peak Tyler J in yeah, 2015, didn't you? I did, yeah. I saw him pitch at Ohio State um, as, a, as a closer with Illinois, and he was up to 95, 96 with the, the nasty slider. And if, you know, you put him in a, in a short, you know, relief role in a high-leverage situation, you know, I think he could thrive in that role as he, as he did at Illinois. But he had, you know, he had like some swagger too, like some aura, didn't he? As a closer, yeah, as a small guy. Yeah, I mean, there, there's certainly some some confidence and some presence to him out there on the mound. You know, the thing with him is it's just is the stuff going to hold up over five or six, seven innings of a start? I mean, he has four pitches, but it doesn't sound like, at least from the people that I've talked to, that it's been holding up so far. Right, and that's the thing; it didn't hold up great. Florida State League's tough from a heat standpoint. You can wear you down, wear anybody down. But especially a reliever converting to starting, then you throw on top of it that he knows and the catcher knows and the pitching coach knows that whatever he wants, he's got that slider, which can make things easier, but also precludes the fastball command. You need to have a a starter slot. You don't have to rely on that when you're a reliever. And then the other pitches, the curveball and the changeup, just aren't consistent. So, I mean, that that push pull, JJ, you, you write about pitching a lot. How many? What's the ratio in your mind of the converted closer to starter conversions? Ten percent? Fifteen? It doesn't. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to think of the guys. A lot of the guys who you even think of as. I mean, one example I just jumped to mind is is Michael Lorenzen. Who right. The Reds have done him. a couple. And he did it, and then it sounds like the plan now is that hey, Michael Lorenzen to reliever. Right. And that happens a lot. And I do think. I think if we went around this table. If you asked me and you said, you've got to tell me, do you think he's a starter or a reliever long-term? Tyler Jay's a reliever. Right. I think you're going to say the same Absolutely. Thing. I mean, I think he is the uh, – if you're looking around the minor leagues for guys who could be – who if could approximate what Andrew Miller did in the postseason, I don't think Tyler Jay could be that good because he's not 6'7", he doesn't have that <laughs> angle. But he could be close. Yeah. He's pretty good. That slider that he throws – and he's a freak athlete. I mean, he was so explosive – that summer for a college national team, again, just that, that he just had that he had a little presence to him. He looked bigger on the mound than his physical stature, because he did have some swagger. Yeah. Um, but, but I still, I think push comes to shove. I think he's a reliever. Whereas Stephen Gonzalez is one of those guys. I mean, Mike, you put a 50 medium on him as a grade. I think that's a a good grade for him. Yeah, he's really weird. I don't know how else <laughs> to say it. He has a very weird profile. Where it's a 90-mile-an-hour fastball and guys just don't hit it. That's, that would have been awesome 30 years ago. Yeah. Today, he just seems like he's an uh, out-of-place pitcher, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, he was a, another difficult guy to rank, you know, the number two prospect here, you know, in their top ten. But, you know, he's a guy who, who's safer, is safer to start than a Tyler J. You know, you could visualize him more in a rotation just given right. his profile and his stuff. But, you know, he's not going to be a number one, number two kind of starter. He's going to be more mid mid to back end kind of starter. He's like he's almost like a Twins classic. Doesn't throw hard. But the thing is he doesn't throw as many strikes either. Yeah. <laughs> I mean and I like Steven Gasalves. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I like it. But uh 
he did have an issue with walks this year, especially once he moved up to double A. To double a. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a – if I asked you, though, to close your eye, and you, you're right, you can talk to guys who really like Steve Gonzalez, but if I took a name away from it, I had to be kind of a – I'm just like the, the Bobby Downer skeptic, here. Debbie Downer here. But, <laughs> but it really is. Like, if I said, I'm going to describe to you a prospect, okay, well, how hard does he throw? Well, he's a you – know, he, yeah, you'll see some 90s. Yeah. And it's like 9-0, right? And you're not talking about 94, 90. No, you'll see some, you know, you'll see 90, 91. Right. Probably sits more 88, 89, you know. I'm trying to think of, like, who he's like in the big leagues. And you, okay, I know he has the low arm slot. Don't I mean he has some physical and delivery comparisons to Bumgarner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tall, kind of broad-shouldered, hey. 6'5", low slot. Fastball's hard to pick up. Honestly, who he's like, he's like a left-handed Phil Bickford. That's who he is. With, with well, he he was suspended for pot for using marijuana in high school at Cathedral Catholic. Now, to his credit, he hasn't repeated the process <laughs> as Mr. Bickford has throughout his pro career. He's doing it at about uh, two to three miles an hour left, but you got to run less left. when when Bickford's at his best. But in the Futures game, Bickford was eighty nine ninety. Yeah. And both of them have like secondary stuff where you're kind of like, oh, I wish it was better. <laughs> so this guy's left hand. So that, as a prospect go, as prospects go, I would prefer Gonzalez to Bickford, I think. But neither one of them <laughs> is a top, top fifty yeah. guy, and they're no. both back of the top hundred if they're in it. Yeah. And he's the and so like you said, he's the safer guy. Who, if you had to pick somebody in that top ten who you really do like, who has upside for Twins fans. You can pick Nick Gordon if you want to, but who, yeah. who's got upside in your mind in their top ten? The guy that stood out to me and the guy that people within the organization seemed excited about was Fernando Romero. Right. A guy who last year was number 29, jumps up to number four this year. Which is pretty good that he was even in the list last year. Mike Verdina was in the list last year. And yeah. He, had, he barely pitched it a year and a half, so it's yeah. pretty good that Mike ranked him at all. Yeah, he had Tommy John, but you know he was healthy this year. You know, a guy who's touching the upper nineties with a, a really good breaking ball, and you know a chance to start. We'll see if he he sticks as a starter or not. You know, he's someone who you know you could see in the big leagues sooner than later as a reliever type if they they need help up there. But right. you know, he's he's a guy who you know I think has a little bit more upside just given the stuff and looking at the numbers this year and the performance. I mean, he didn't walk that many guys. It was a good strikeout to walk ratio and you know, someone that you can maybe dream on a little bit. He does seem like he's got that. He's the only 60 in the top 30 on the B.A. grades along with Alex Kirilov. Those are the only two 60s. Yeah. So they're they're an organization, uh, and they're close enough to Canada, I can say, organization. They really <laughs> they need they need pitching so badly. Um, those guys, that's why I kind of bear down on those guys. Um and I know, J.J., you ranked Alberto Mejia last year. I mean, that's another kind of classic twin, right? Like a low yeah. ceiling, strike throwing. Isn't that what they think of him, Mike? Yeah, I mean, he's someone who's going to compete probably for, you know, the number five spot but in the rotation at now, spring training. And, yeah, throw he strikes. He's more conventional, though, as a prospect than Gonzalez. Yes. Like, for, because for, when for you better talk, or for worse. You know, when you talk about I mean, he is uh, he's an innings and back of the you know rotation kind of guy. And, I mean, I... But Sorry. He is, but, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm laughing at now. Probably some bad joke. But at the same time, you do see more velo from him than you do from Gonzalez. You do see, at times, probably even better secondary pitches. The fastball doesn't play better. That's the thing. is that Gonzalez's fastball plays so well. Yeah. Mejia's 
You know, it's okay. It, it's fine. Right. Is that, he just doesn't excel at anything. Right. He's never going to strike out 12 per nine like Gonzalez has through close to the, his whole minor league career. And the most vexing guy out of all these guys is Cole Stewart. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, what do you make of Cole? Well, I mean, like, you, I know you've had a lot of guys inside the organization and some outside as well. Our internal notes were very mixed on him. I mean, yeah. what was it, four, wall, four strikeouts per nine in double A, something like that? It wasn't very good. Yeah, it was it was four point six. Yeah, which is not what you want. And I mean that's been an issue for him his entire pro career to this point, is not striking out enough guys and not missing enough bats. And you talk to guys within the organization and they say it's just, you know, he's still learning how to pitch. He's still relatively new to pitching as a, you know, a two sport guy coming into it and he's still trying to learn how to use his stuff and they still believe in his stuff, but you know, at some point, the results have to, you know, have to show up, have to match the stuff, and so far it hasn't. I'm just gonna give, I'm gonna give ourselves one little shout out here. You know, we haven't ranked him in the top hundred since his draft year. So his fourth overall pick of the draft. The next year, top, uh, you know, BA top 100, he came out 52. We haven't ranked him since then. So the reputation has only held, but so far for for him. But you remember, he didn't make the Midwest League top 20 that year. That he, because I mean, you just couldn't find. He was vanilla as vanilla gets. That's basically the word for him. Is that, and he is not a vanilla kind of guy. I've gone on his Twitter. There ain't nothing <laughs> vanilla about his Twitter. He's like a rootin' tootin' Texas A&M Aggie, Texan quarterback. All the yeah. like stereotypes you picture for a guy like that, he fits them. He checks all those boxes. Um, and yet, he doesn't pitch like that. He pitches like a, you know who he reminds me of also? J.J.'s Taylor Guerrero. The other guy was a big-time high school guy. Yeah. Now, Guerrero had Tommy John, but he's wound up being like a sinker, slider, ground ball guy. Isn't that kind of what Cole Stewart is? Yeah, I mean, he's been throwing the two-seamer a lot more, sitting more low 90s. I mean, he can touch. He can still rear back and touch, you know, 95, 96 with a four-seamer, but you're seeing mostly two-seamers and sliders. Like a 91, yeah, 91, 91, 92, 92 two-seamer. He yeah. has not demonstrated when he rears back that he can locate it. Yeah. Right. So he doesn't have an effective 94. He has effectively 90, 91, 92, because again, and again, it's really hard to find guys. He, when, he's in like one of your least favorite pitching prospects, isn't he? Cole yeah. Stewart. It's, it's nothing personal against right, him. It's just, right, right. It's really hard to find a guy who combines. I, Trey Ball is another guy who you talk about. Correct. Top that's, that's where I'm going. Like These are not guys that JJ knows personally, nor does he troll their Twitter feeds. I promise you. But, but Trey Ball, Cole Stewart... When you talk to guys who've seen him as pros, this is the amateur pro divide. When you talk to guys who just see him, the pro scouts who just see him, outside the organization, they often ask the question, it's like, what was it? Right. Hey, you do, you, I'm talking to you, and you do amateur stuff too. Right. What was it about this guy that stood out when he was an amateur? And Hey, I just got done reading my high school report to Hudson Belinsky about uh, Buster Posey coming out of high school as a pitcher. And how deep that was for Buster Posey out of high school. I was just, I just wanted that guy to pitch so bad. He just sounded so good. So the reports we have out of high school on Cole Stewart are like, you know, better present stuff than Jamison Tyone did when he went number two overall in 2010. From 89-93 last summer to 91-96 for much of the spring. Those velocity tails off at times in the later innings. There's a, a red flag. Life and command on his heater make it even more dominant. His best offering is a power mid-80 slider with tilt. Clean delivery. 
Shit get even better once he concentrates solely on baseball. That's never happened for and sure. Stuff wise. But that is also that is the thing. And I think we write it less now because what we have come to more and more realize is, is that for all the talk of here's how a guy can get better as a pro, that other step is you're going to throw every fifth day. Right. And it is really hard to throw every fifth day compared to every seventh. Did it come up at all? He's a type 1 diabetic, we wrote in our high school report. Does that ever come up at all? Because I can't remember that coming up at all on any of the pro calls I've made or yeah. talking to Twins personnel. Yeah, no one no one brought that up as as any sort of reason why you know he's been struggling or anything like that. It's it's not something that, that came up with him. It's just, you know, from from the twin standpoint, from the people I talked to within the organization, you know, they insist it's just a learning how to pitch kind of deal. But it's a more raw than you would yeah. expect a high school kid from Texas to yeah. be basically. So but the tough thing with that is is that guys can learn to do a lot of things, but you very rarely again you can develop another pitch, but guys very rarely go from you don't miss bats to you miss bats. That's correct. That's been my experience. That has been the Twins' experience. The guys who didn't miss bats for them in the minor leagues didn't miss bats for them in the big <laughs> leagues. And that kind of led them down and a different road. And then there's who misses bats in the minors. And I'm sorry to keep bringing over. Yeah, no. But he, he baffles me. He baffles me because he has such a – he had such – not right. that you talked to scouts who thought that he was going to be – a number one or anything like that. Right. But there's we always, such a track record. We always hedged our bets on him as more like a number three, even though he dominated the minor leagues. Now, I've seen the Twins blogosphere, which I used to write Twins top tens and top thirties every year. And they have a very active blogosphere, and it's a pretty good blogosphere as well. And one of the things I saw during the year was Jay Oberios was tipping his pitches. Because some Twins bloggers picked up on this very quickly that he would tip, especially when the changeup was coming. So he didn't locate the fastball very well, and then the changeup was just not nearly as effective in pro ball because he was he was tipping it. So, um, yeah, but the, the, is there a guy deeper down, a pitcher deeper down, Mike, who they have some hope for? Uh, is there a guy who has a chance to break out and be a starter? We did wind up ranking their Rule Five pick. I know you yeah. you probably didn't talk to him about Justin Haley because you were already you already washed your hands of it. It, <laughs> does, it does feel like they're mostly relievers <laughs> yeah. after that clutch of top guys who are potential starters. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough because, I mean, you look at a guy, for instance, number 19, Lewis Thorpe, a left-hander, a guy that they had high hope for when they signed him. And right. He hasn't pitched in two years. A guy who has the makings of a, you know, you know maybe number yeah. two or number three kind of starter, a left-hander with good stuff, but... You know, he's someone who they still have high hopes for, but at some point he's, he has to get on the mound and actually pitch. And the Australian perform. track record, just not good. Yeah. It just is what it is. No offense to <laughs> Australia, but the track record really isn't that good. I, I like the guys you have, and not to give away the whole list, but the guys you have ahead of him who are hitters, mm-hmm. I like better. <laughs> yeah. Zach Granite, Mitch Garver, even Akil Badu. Yeah. If you look at the strength of the organization, to me the strength is they do have some depth of hitters, I just wish, like, you know, like, I like Griffin Jacks. That's another pitcher they drafted. Yeah, I was going to bring him up after. He, he, he's just a tough case because he went back to school this fall, right? Didn't go to Instructional League, and he's committed to the Air Force through, what, April? May? Yeah, I think they'll, they'll have him probably around May or June is probably when they'll, when they'll have him finally next year. And He does sound exciting, though, and, and the Air Force has produced some interesting prospects of late. You know, the program's taken a big step forward. I know they were thrilled to get him where they got him. You right. know, he was, he was high on their board in terms of talent, but fell, obviously, just because of all the, you know, external things with him. But, 
you know, he, he's certainly interesting. I mean, he has good stuff, and he's someone who has a, a chance to start potentially. I know he's someone that they hope could start for him and someone yeah. who could be a, a, a quick mover in the system potentially. He's physical, and at times he shows you two above average. The fastball and the breaking ball have both been above average. JJ, question for you. How good was his dad, Garth Jacks? Was his dad pretty good? He was a Cowboys, yeah. Cowboys linebacker, right? No, I'm sorry, but hey, he was not. Uh, when I think of Cowboys linebackers, I can. He was no Brian Brunig. <laughs> I, I could go, you know, he's not. Hollywood Henderson? Yeah, Hollywood was Hollywood was really good. I, I, you know, there are very few players who can succeed while snorting cocaine on the field. Like <laughs> this carried, is our most this he is our carried is in a squeeze bottle. This During is our strangest podcast in a long time. It really is. I mean, I've, I've been looping. refreshed by uh, you know. I guess so. I'm getting ready to be gone for a couple of weeks. So Garth Jackson, 1986 to 95, according to Pro Football Reference. Yeah. Um, I don't think that was a very big part of your Actually, year, uh, but, I think a friend of tiny mine, part. A friend of mine happened to run into Garth Jacks in an airport. He said, yeah, I talked to a dad of an Air Force pitcher who just got drafted, and it was like, Garth Jacks. Garth Jacks. <laughs> he had two, putt, two kick returns in 1990 for the Phoenix Cardinals for 17 yards. So That would be in the triviality portion of the report. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, but it's really like, it, this seems like it's more of a position player you can have more confidence in the hitters in the system than the pitchers. That's how I felt about it. Yeah, yeah, you could say that for sure. It's not a lot of up the middle kind of talent, though. It's it's mostly <laughs> don't get too excited. Yeah, <laughs> so don't get too excited. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's the theme of this podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> I, but this but let's, let's really talk about the up the middle. We haven't really talked about Nick Gordon, and yeah, he's number one on this for a reason. I mean, there he is not. The flashiest prospect by any stretch of the imagination. If you don't pay a whole lot of attention to this and you just listen to the podcast anyway, but thank you for listening. Um, you may think, hey, D. Gordon, you know, Nick Gordon is going to be this, this absolutely fast twitch, you know, leadoff hitter type, and that's not Nick Gordon. Nick Gordon is a very well-rounded player who lacks sixties and seventies on the card, scouting card. Yeah, I mean he's the he's the unflashy Gordon. He's yeah, right. the not flash Gordon, you know. <laughs> that would be a great nickname, unflash. <laughs> yeah, the, sure he's the unflash. It. Yeah, I'm sure he'd really like that. Yeah, he's turned his flash off, but yeah, he. Uh, I mean, really, outside of his arm strength, that's that's really his only plus tool. I mean, he's there's there's really like you said. I mean, it, there's nothing about him that is flashy. I mean, it's just. But there's a lot of fifties there too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he certainly he has the you know by. Everyone I've talked to and all the feedback I've gotten, I mean, certainly has a, a strong chance to stick at shortstop and play there. And, you know, a guy who works hard at it and makes the routine plays. And as long as he f- focuses on positioning and learning hitters and, and all of that, he should have no problem sticking there. And, you know, has the chance to, to hit and a left-handed hitter and, you know, you know impact the ball and be a, a solid regular, you know, at the big league level. But, yeah, I mean, even still a number one prospect, it's still not a, you know, a slam dunk, sure thing, That's superstar it. type. It's not loud tools. And I've had this... Uh, interaction on Twitter with a couple of Twins fans, and I, I want to be clear about this. If you, especially if you're a subscriber to Baseball America, if you go read his high school report, it's not that unchanged from his pro report. He hasn't lost athleticism. I mean, that was that, uh, that was a misconception that was out there at the time. That's exactly right, and he is. And that's why you got into it with the D Gordon stuff. He is not his his brother was a basketball player who hardly played any college ba- baseball. And what was it? Some Division II school in the middle of Florida. It wasn't Florida Southern, I don't think. Maybe it was. But his brother, when his brother was a fifth-round pick, that was a surprise. That was seen as like a real stunner by the Dodgers. 
Don't forget that was when the Dodgers were in their super cheap phase. I know it's hard to imagine <laughs> super cheap at Dodgers right now, but they they were. So that was like a stroke of genius scouting by the Dodgers. But we wrote about uh, Nick, uh, above average hitter with loose quick stroke, strong bat to ball skills, more doubles power presently. Scouts believe he could have at least average power down the road. Maybe even above average. I remember talking to a national cross-checker that year who was convicted this guy was going to be a 15 to 20 home run guy as a shortstop. Um, best arm in the high school class, but opinions on his defense differed. Average to well above average, soft hands. You know, average runner out of the box. But this is the line. Scouts have conviction about Gordon's, Gordon's makeup among the best in the draft and say he has top-of-the-charts instincts. He's always been an instincts guy who will get the most out of his tools not a toolsy guy who, like, you know, the, the, he's, a, he's a savvy player. I think that gets undersold. I don't know why. I mean, he's a son of a big leaguer who played around the big leagues for like 20 years. Yeah. I mean, how would you not be savvy growing up around <laughs> Tom Gordon? So yeah. I, I think that part of his game gets undersold, but it's also hard to quantify, you know, in a report. Yeah, no, it certainly is, but that is something that, you know, everyone in the, the Twins organization brought up with him, just the work ethic there with him and just the feel for the game and the, the aptitude that he has for it. You know, it is there, and just like you said, being the son of a big leaguer. He's a high-floor guy. Yeah. I, I agree, and it didn't hurt that he went to the Fall League and hit, and, I mean, it's a very small sample, but one of the things he went to the Fall League to go do is you, know, you got to face more left-handed bats. He did not hit left-handers in the regular season. It was only 22 at-bats, but he did hit them in the Fall League. Yeah. So, all you're looking for there is a little progress. I don't think the stats tell you much, but he performed a little better in the small sample there. Um, but that's kind of like the next step for him next year, right? Is hitting lefties better and, and I guess trying to start with a little bit more power uh, yeah. as he goes down the line. So I like Nick Gordon, but he is not at this list. Like these, high, these, these short stops we talk about when we're meeting on uh, top 100 guys like Willie Adames of the Rays, Glaber Torres, Crawford. Yeah, Lansby Swanson. He's and there's not, a lot of shortstops at the top of our list. He's not one of those. He's not one of those. He's in the the next tier he's of shortstops. Two tiers down, to be honest. You don't think he's in the next tier? He's if he is, he's at the near the bottom of that tier. And again, that's nothing against him. But Nick Gordon is not a top twenty-five, and probably at this point, not a top fifty prospect. I would argue fifty is about the cusp. I'd say. I think I put him right at the back of my fifty in the handbook. Um, you know, like he's not the ceiling guy, but like he's better than say Ryan Mountcastle. Yes. You know, well, yes, that's he kind of damning him. Yes, that's damning him with fate, fate, fate praise. That's exactly. really that's pretty fate. We, we can do better than that. He is not only better than Ryan Mountcastle, but he's not as good as Brandon Rogers. No, he's and Brandon you know, Rogers is in that second tier to me. He's not in the first tier yet. He has to have another year of doing it. At. I don't know. The guy hit shortstop. Like, you did Brandon Rogers last year. Shortstop this year with twenty two hundred isolated power in this in the South Atlantic League. I know it's I know it's Asheville, but we don't have middle infielders who do that there very often. I don't think so. Uh, you did Rogers last year. You did Nick Gordon this year. If you had to take one, gun to your head, which one are you taking? I would take Rogers for the upside. I agree completely on that. I'm just saying he's not. I'm saying. He's above Nick. Nick Gordon is behind him, but I'm saying Brendan Rodgers in, in the first tier. He's probably, yeah. Labor he's and the, Ahmed Rosario, right. those kind of jokers. 
Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, <laughs> pick a hitter that you like in the rest of the system so we can say some positive things about <laughs> Twins prospects. <laughs> All right, let's 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 try to say some positive things. Well, I mean, people really like you know Kirilov and his hitting ability. You know, he's number three on this list for a reason. Um, yeah, I do like Alex Kirilov. Internally, yeah. they comp him to, to Max, Kepler. Max Kepler. Yeah, that's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, maybe they know Max Kepler very well by now. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they envision him as a guy who's going to hit for some power at the big league level. You know, a corner outfielder, potentially a first baseman, a guy who, who has first base experience and handles himself well there. If the power comes but, in, definitely they could move him yeah. to that spot. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, with him, I mean, you're just kind of banking on the power and just the left-handed hitting ability. And, you know, he had a great debut. Um, you know, in the, in the Abbey League, he was... That didn't hurt. The, yeah. And that's their so. advanced... That, they have a Gulf Coast League team. That's their advanced level. So even though it's rookie ball... Yeah. It was actually a fairly aggressive move, considering he's a Northeast kid, and they did not send him to their lowest level team. So from... I think that gives you an indication of just how highly the Twins view Alex Kirilov. And if you had ranked him first, that wouldn't have surprised me. That wouldn't have blown me away. Yeah. I mean, he was a preseason first-team All-American in high school, and then he had a significantly, uh, you know, just a really loud high school season. Um, so he, he's pretty interesting. Um, but the next position player after Gordon and Kirilov is like found money for them. Daniel Palka. Yeah. He's just a weird prospect too. Just a strange <laughs> profile, right? I mean, yeah. you saw him a lot in college um, in the ACC, covering I, a lot of ACC college baseball. Yeah. Did you think to yourself, Daniel Palka? I can see this guy's a big leaguer when you watched him. Didn't he? Correct me if I'm wrong. He wore really tight pants. At the he was like in the Jimmy Fallon skit with his tight pants. That that's a little bit of a deep cut for me. I don't I don't know. I never really noticed the pants. He to, stood to out be to per, me for his To be perfectly pants. honest, but see, this is the curse of having been at Baseball America so long. People in the ACC used to love to make fun of Miami for their tight pants. Yeah. The players from the U were all about their tight pants, and so I've kind of noticed the pants over the years so <laughs> i'll stop digging let's talk about what daniel pocket does well yeah well you home know <laughs> I, I really don't know about the pants but yeah i mean home, home runs is definitely i mean we looked it up it was with the last two years he, he's led all of minors and with That's home it. runs and uh yeah. i mean he basically he made adam brett walker expendable is basically what happened. He came in and they were done with Adam Brett Walker. Two hundred strikeouts <laughs> one year, fool me once. Two hundred strikeouts twice. Yeah, fool me again. We'll be fooled again. Sorry. And the, I mean, the thing is, is Palka strikes out a lot too. You know, yeah, it's only one hundred eighty-six. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's not that much of an upgrade. But <laughs> I've lost containment on this podcast. The thing, the thing with Palka is he's going to play. Slightly better defense. <laughs> he can throw. <laughs> and he can oh, this throw. Is really crazy. <laughs> this is their top ten. These are yeah. the right guys. Yeah. Um, you know, and he, I mean, he does have a lot of power, you know, and that, that power should play. You know, it's just a matter of if he's going to make enough contact and not swing and miss and, know, too and much. That's a tough. It's. Yeah. That's tough. I mean, again, yeah. you're, you hate to. But these are. This is why all these guys we said, there's warts. In his case, the ward is one that we've seen many a guy fail to put it together because yeah. of. Yeah. And that's a concern. And, you know, they, they sent him to Escajito for winter ball. He played like a month in the Dominican League. Hit a couple home runs, 30 strikeouts and 80 at-bats. So yeah. Daniel Palka, same as it ever was <laughs> um, in the Dominican League. I think the point is, I think Daniel Palka can be a second division regular kind of player. That's the grade we put on him. Yeah. But he is not ready to do that, even for a second division team, I don't think, in 2017. 
I think he needs some more AAA time. Um, but that's the kind of guy, JJ, you wrote about this in the past. I mean, I don't know that he's got 80 power, but he's clearly got close to 70 power. You know, mm-hmm. This is the kind of guy who, even if it's a 40-hit tool, you keep giving him a chance. I mean, is there a chance this could be one of those guys, like yeah. Mark Trumbo, like these other guys that you wrote about, who need longer to develop the field of hit? Right, and the tough thing about that is, though, is, is that a lot of these guys, at some point, you have to decide, are you willing to give them 500 at-bats at the big league level? And that's tough to do. Now, you would, in some ways, you could argue that the Twins are in better position to do that than a lot of teams. Right. At the same time, when you talk about the success stories in this, like when we talk about Chris Davis, and Chris Davis, to me, is, is as much of a success story of the extreme contact issues slash power, as yeah. but with great powers you're going to get. But one of the things that happened for Chris Davis was he got a whole lot of at-bats to get to that point. Right. Now, and even then, it still wasn't Team 1 that is where he uh, succeeded. Yeah. It was down the road. I, again, we talked about Adam Brett Walker. I do think that if you put Adam Brett Walker in the big leagues for 500 at-bats, by the end of those 500 at-bats, there's at least this chance that he's made himself into a, right. a 200. We're not talking 240. He's a 200, 220 hitter who's hitting enough homers for you that there's some value there. Yeah. But Chris Carter was a guy, again, when we talk about these kind of guys, when we talk about the success stories. Right. Chris Carter is a success story who keeps getting... DFA'd. Right. After leading the league in home runs. <laughs> this is the genre of player that Daniel Polka is. And now the, the thing is that the Twins have players with lower ceilings but more polished hit tools. They have like three anti-Polkas. So I think Luis Arias is like the most anti-Daniel Polka <laughs> that could almost possibly exist. But not quite, though, because it's not like he's some defensive whiz either. Yeah. I mean, like, all he does is hit. Well, like every single day. Well, first of all, he wears his pants really loose. They're really <laughs> loose pants. So that's the the first way that he's he's really not well like Well played, young man. Well played. Uh, but yeah, no, he's he's tiny. He's he's not. He's five foot ten, one hundred and eighty, um, and he's not a defensive whiz like you said. I mean, he's a fringy defender with a fringy arm. That doesn't have. He's a below average runner. I mean, really, all the tools, the power's not there. Really, the only tool he has is, is the hit tool. They're killing these guys. But it's, I'm being, I mean, it's the this truth. This is the bottom though. ten farm system, and I yeah, believe it's the me. Truth. There's worse to come. Just wait oh. till wait till the Angels podcast. We're gonna sink our teeth into that one. And but, by the way, one kudo I want to give to the uh, to the Twins. There's no organization that does instructional league rosters like the Twins. Because nobody gives you the precise height and weight like the Minnesota Twins. Luis Arias checked in at 5'10", 184. He did. So it's like uh, 14 pounds lighter than no. Trey Cabbage. Cool. <laughs> I love the fact they have Arias, Blankenhorn, and Cabbage. <laughs> Easy as ABC and 123. To kind of, I mean, the thing that does stand out with this is, and I think I said this before we started the podcast, which is no rebuilding team is more dependent on guys who are already no longer prospect eligible right. than the Twins. If the Twins are going to be good in the not just near, like but 17, but like more like 18, 19. In the 18, 19, 20 window, it is going to be because Max Kepler, Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano, Eddie Rosario, Eddie Rosario, Jorge Polanco, those guys have to be the guys who succeed. And the reality of it is, is that... Maybe Kenneth Vargas is part of that? I mean, I don't know. 
He's 25. And then they're going to have to find pitching somewhere. <laughs> it's a tough. It is. You a, don't think it's going to be Tommy, uh, Tyler Duffy, uh, Tommy Malone, Ricky in Alaska? Oh, they traded to Ricky in Alaska. But, Hector Santiago. But it, it is. That's something. the future rotation. Uh, uh, again, I, I do look at it. The, the tough thing that they have, you compare them to, say, like the White Sox. The White Sox are rebuilding, but the White Sox rebuilding plan is in the the very interesting kind of early yes. stages where you can it's They've easy, committed to it. But is he the twins are stuck in a rebuild where I know it's a new regime and, and there's a lot they can do, you would say in some ways, but at the same time, this isn't a team that has a lot that they can do. They're kind of locked into who they are. I mean, this is you're not trading Miguel Sano to try right. to rebuild. You right. can't trade Joe Mauer. Joe Mauer. They, they have one asset they've considered trading this offseason, Brian Dozier. Yeah. And they I should. Mean, and they, 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 they should definitely look into trading him. Right. If you can get the right deal, you a guy of that value, whose best years are going to be before you're probably good again, it makes a lot of sense to try to get something good for him now. And you have Luis Arias knocking on the door. That's right. So. Don't forget Travis Blankenhorn. He could wind up right. at second base, too. All right. Where's Trey Cabbage playing these days? I don't know. I just like saying Trey Cabbage. It's, it's a fun name to, to it, say. It is. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the guys, like their feel-good stories, you have them clustered together. The uh, Akil Badu, Mitch Garver, Zach Granite. That's the one. Those are the guys who good things about those guys. Like, yeah. Akil Badu sounds really interesting, like better and almost already a different player than they thought they drafted, right? Yeah, they've been really excited about his progress and quick progress. I mean, he added some weight. He had some muscle to his frame. He's already started, you know, developing physically. He grew Six, a couple one, inches. Now. Yeah, he's he's grown a couple of inches, and you know, he's a guy who you know they took him. They looked him and looked at him as a speedy center fielder type. You know, a top yeah. of the order type of hitter. And now, you know, potentially, you know, he's someone who could develop a little bit more power than they expected. A guy who, you know, maybe at some point has to move off of center field and move into a corner, but, you know, could develop the type of power that could play there. You know, he's a guy who has some tools, who has some ability to hit. You know, there's a little, some rawness there. He didn't have a great debut, you know, statistically, but, you know, there's they're certainly excited about him, you know, given just the, the physical gains he already made in just a really quick span of time. If, just read, I just remember reading your report and thinking, yeah. man, if this guy had done a little bit better in his debut, I would have run him in the top ten. Yeah. I would have like stuck him in there just as a like a just a fifty five extreme flyer because you just looking because he's listed 5'11", 185 in the in the MLB Advanced Media yeah. you know official roster, but the Instructs roster, which I'm 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 going to swear by for the Twins. I'll get I'll give them kudos. <laughs> they uh you know he he has grown, and then Granite and um, Garver were two guys. Um, at the double-A level, who really took strides forward. And I guess Garver pretty much made Stuart Turner expendable, and they lost him in the Rule 5 draft. But yeah. Garver was already ahead you know, before they decided on the 40-man roster, right? Yeah, I mean, Garver was like the Palka to Turner's, you know, Adam Brett Walker. I mean, he was <laughs> basically, I mean, because... Uh, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Stuart Turner and Mitch Garver, you look at the two of them, Turner was a defensive first kind of guy who, you know, the bat is... A question mark probably not going to hit yeah all that much in the big league level whereas Mitch Garver is a guy who's always had more potential at the bat you know always has shown at least a chance to hit for you know solidly for a catcher you know at, at the big league level New and Mexico guy, right? yeah New Mexico guy uh, you know there were some doubts c- coming in just because of the environment he was hitting and might have right. elevated his stats a little bit but he's continued to hit 
you know, so far. I mean, it's not going to, you know, be middle of the order type production, but the, you know, the big strides that he's made have been defensively, you know, he's really done a much better job as far as just blocking and throwing and, you know, improving his release and the quickness there. And he, you know, he threw out an organization best number of, you know, base stealers. And, uh, you know, he really just closed the defensive gap between himself and Stuart Turner enough that they felt okay, you know, not protecting Turner. They've had an interesting recent history with catchers too. Um, they've, they, you know, they spent some money this year in the draft on Ben Wartfeld. JJ, you did some research on that as well. I mean, like they, their draft was interesting. It's almost like, you know, part of you would say, well, they just graduated all these players, the big leagues. Maybe they should have drafted a little bit more college-heavy to but try to move that. some guys quicker. They had done that in the past, but this year was. High school, high school, high school, high school, and they wanted to refill their lower levels. So it was Kirilov, Rorvelt, Jose Miranda, Badu. Uh, they gave a decent amount of money to Jordan. Is it Balazovic? Yeah. Uh, that's the. Balazovic. Balazovic, the kid out of Ontario. They, they like him. They think he has starting potential. Yeah, they gave him uh, more than a half million dollars. The same thing yeah. with Tyler Benninghoff out of Kansas City. No. So they went aggressive on a couple of high school arms. Um, the, you know, the, the, the first. College guy who's their close to the majors guy is Thomas Hackamer because yeah. Griffin Jacks isn't even with them. He's back at Air Force. It's hard to be that close to the majors that right. quick when you uh, yeah when you're not when you're, you're on slope track. Yeah, so Thomas Hackamer, uh, you know, good uh, good story there at St. John's that uh, Coach uh, Eddie Blanks told me at Blankmeyer about how they converted Thomas Hackamer to go inside on like Mitchell Cranston. What was his nickname? The Sheriff. El Gaucho. Oh, El Gaucho, much better than the Sheriff. El Gaucho, Mitchell Cranston for Cali. When the heavy at Cal, again, they've done this a few times. Alex Schick, mm-hmm. who, uh, that was kind of a big loss for Cal. Wasn't he like a hurt knee during the year? Yeah, yeah, they were missing him. He was going to be their closer. Uh, right. And he didn't come back until late in the year. Nothing so. went right for Cal this year. No, no uh, very not little. Not one thing. Yeah. Um, last year. Last year now. 2015, everything came up bears. Yeah. Um, it was an interesting draft class for me. They actually even took Ryan Mason in the 13th round. They really went heavy with Cal they, Bears. They did, yeah. Um, the, another one of their college guys that I like, not from this year's draft, but Lamont Wade. Yeah. At some point, Mike, I guess I'm wondering, like, did, did he? Did you think he would factor up higher on their list? Or did, is he just too obviously a tweener, I guess? You wound up with him in the 20s. Yeah. Um, he just seems like he's performed. And again, I don't remember, if, I don't think you were at that super regional, or that regional, but like, he I was watching at UCLA yeah. that weekend for Maryland, I and mean, he was like the best player on the field. Yeah, that was like his coming out party. Yeah, and that it was, was a total tour de force. Yeah, no, I remember that, and I I, I touched on that a little bit, you know, in the write up, um, and yeah, I mean, he he's a guy who I mean, he has a feel for hitting, and uh, you know, depending on who you talk to, I mean, he is a guy I struggled with ranking. I mean, I had him higher in different versions of this list. I went through you know a million different versions as as we all do, I think, but. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely got a feel for hitting. It's just the the questions with him, you know, or you know, he's probably going to be a left fielder. He's probably going to be a corner outfielder or, or a fourth outfielder kind of type. You know, how much power is he going to develop? Right. You know, that's 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 the big question with him too. Is, is he going to have enough power to be a regular in the corner? You know, in the corner outfield. Some people think he will have enough. Some people are a little lukewarm on right. that. So that's that's really for me what kind of held him back. You know, like you said, he's kind of a, a in betweener. You know, so. He's an interesting guy, certainly, if he puts it all together and, and you know, people love his, his makeup and his work ethic. And, you know, he does, you know, have a good feel for the strike zone and, you know, ability to make contact. But it's just a matter of, you know, how much he's going to be able to impact the ball. If you squint at him, J.J., I think, I think if you squint and you look at Lamont Wade, 
there's some shades of Michael Brantley there. I, he's I've, not always, I've always liked I've always yeah. liked Lamont Wade because like a poor man's Michael Brantley. Right, and again that yeah you don't you, that doesn't mean he's going to produce like Michael Brantley's produced because but Michael he controls Brantley, the strike zone and he's like he, this tweener kind of thing. He hits right. I That's mean, it. really, what it comes down to is, is he hits, and is he? Do you want him in center field? No, but it's not like you say there's zero chance that he could ever play a game in center field. Right. And yeah, most of those guys end up being guys who it ends up not working out for them. But right. it really comes down to part of it is is what how high can he get his defense in center field? He doesn't really have to. And the thing is, with the Twins, who cares? He's, he, not gonna out, he's not going to outrun <laughs> Byron Buxton. This is not going to happen. If things work out the way the Twins want, they're set in right field with Kepler and center field with Buxton. They need to find and, a running mate for those guys. And it might be Eddie Rosario. But here's a guy who Rosario, does all the things that Rosario doesn't do, like they're, 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 come to play every day and draw a walk. They're, they're the flip side of each other in many ways. Yes. Because, I mean, again, Eddie Rosario should be a better defender, but it's Correct. not necessarily always there. Correct. And then there's my then there's my personal cheese ball, and I understand why you didn't end up ranking him because he strikes out a lot. But Jalen Davis, yeah, has special. He's got some thunder in his hands. Yeah, I mean he had an impressive debut. I think it was something you know, 16 home runs in 64 games or something, or something sick like, like that. Yeah, and because uh, he had missed time, you know, when he was drafted, he had a, a knee injury, I believe. And he had was a shoulder the too. I think I think yeah. he had two, but I know he had a. Yeah. It was significant his draft year. Yeah, and so he he didn't he wasn't able to debut until this year, and you know he made an impact obviously with, with the power, but yeah, I mean again the the, the strikeouts with him are you know the, the question the the, the swing and miss yeah two fifty five combined two fifty five three forty one five twenty three slash line combined, but eighty seven strikeouts and two hundred thirty nine at bats for a twenty two year old in low A and rookie ball, so concerning. But, there are concerns there, but there's 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 power there. So yeah, do you have a personal cheese ball that uh, either on or off this thirty that we haven't mentioned? We we've fired a lot of names at China. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we grilled you. I was gonna say, do you have a personal yeah. cheese ball other than the twenty two guys that we've already asked you about? <laughs> I'm this gonna is a rapid fire twins uh, twins uh, food though. I I, I obviously I, like talking twins. Yeah, I mean, I think we we touched on most of my cheese balls. You know, the one guy that I would say is probably. You know, a twins personal cheese ball within the organization is Trevor Hildenberger. Okay. Uh, a great reliever. Name. Yeah, another great name, uh, you know, along with Blankenhorn. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a guy who, I mean, they have a lot of relievers in, in this in this top 30. <laughs> they have a the lot depth, of relievers. I was going to say, there's. It's a lot of relievers. Yeah. Just by sheer throwing numbers at it, they've got to end up with two or three guys who end up being useful relievers just because. I didn't yeah. want to point that out. That just, it just does not speak well of the organization that that's your depth spot. You know, unfortunately, that is what they've drafted. Yeah. Well, so. it's, you know, the you know the Pat Lights and Shagwas and Birdies of the World, all hard throwers. But Jake Reed. Hildenberger stands out just because it's kind of a, a different skill set with him. It's more of a lower slot, not quite sidearm, but it's a, it's a low slot, low 90s kind of guy with, with good sink, uh, good secondary pitches, and a guy who just doesn't walk anybody. Just kind of like Michael Tonkin, that they already have. Yeah. But well, by the time Michael Tonkin gets expensive... Yeah, Trevor Hildenberger, oh, by the way, went to Cal. Yeah. So yeah. he checks every box. The Cal, the Cal train keeps on rolling. Yeah, the long last name. <laughs> he sounds vaguely Teutonic or Nordic. You know, <laughs> perfect for the Twins. I mean, like, that's kind of how, that, how they roll. Um, you know who my other guy I meant to ask you about? And I, I think I emailed you about him. was Tanner English. Yeah. Tanner English showed some flashes here. Finally, this guy was like a... 
13th round pick out of high school. Yeah. Didn't sign with the Rays. I always remember the first day of school that he was at South Carolina, passed uneventfully. The second day of school, he tweeted, man, I'm tired of school. <laughs> and I just remember a scout with the Rays, I pointed that out to him. And said, I just want to let you know he already regrets his decision. He said, oh, I saw that. I already saw that. We've already talked about it. So I've always had that in my head with Tanner English. Like, he should have signed out of high school. Yeah. But, you know, Grayson Griner, Joey Pancake, Tanner English, all three of these guys kind of went together to South Carolina. But a lot of those guys, Max Schrock came a year after them. Max Schrock had a great pro year this year. Um, Grayson Griner bounced back, had a nice year. Got in the handbook with the Tigers. Yeah. Tanner English didn't quite get in the handbook, but there's something there, isn't there? Yeah, no, there, there are definitely tools there, and, and they really like his tools. Uh, you know, he's a guy. You know, he's a guy who could stick in center field. He's a legit center fielder. You know, a guy who's the Royals should have drafted. <laughs> they like they like their true center fielders. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a guy. He, he's a guy who can run. He's a guy who can throw. Um, and he has, you know, there, there's something there with the bat. He just hasn't put it together yet offensively. You know, I that's forget what thing. his injury was this year, but he, I know he was banged up. Yeah, he was a little well. banged up. I believe it was a foot injury with him. I don't have my notes in front of me right now, but I believe it was a foot injury with him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who's, who's tools, and you watch him play, and he's, ex- he's explosive. It's right. explosive. Compare him to Lamont Wade. And Tanner English is the more explosive of the two, the guy who really stands out, you know. But he hasn't put them all together yet. He hasn't been able to, you know, hit consistently enough yet to be able to, you know, put those tools to use. Got a little extra time in the fall league. Uh, needed probably needed the at bats. Got seventy one more bats there. I don't know what to, I don't know what to say. Like I don't know when the Twins can be good again. But it feels like <laughs> by the time they're good, Brian Dozier won't be there. They're oh. gonna have to like find some other pieces. Because this farm system well, in and of itself is not going to bring them again, back. Like I mean, you said, again, yeah. if, you're no, trying, you're... if you're trying to craft it, it's Miguel Sano, Byron Buxton, and the right. nine stars. Right. That's that's kind of where it has to come from. Their bullpen could be pretty good. That's right. <laughs> they could become Brian Kenny's favorite team. They could be bullpenning. Just bullpen every day, all day. Throw throw at least one birdie at it. Maybe they go out and get the other one. Um, no. Mike, you, you were a good sport because we really – we threw a lot at you today. I was, uh, I don't know what got me. It was the Buster Posey High School pitching right up. That got yeah. me fired up before. I went through two different archives today also. VA archives always get you fired up. So um, now you're on the, onto the college preview issue. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 just give that a little tease for people who are listening. What are some of the things people have to look forward to in our college preview issue at the end of the month? Uh, well, speaking of funky names, we're going to have a feature on Jake Berger, okay. uh, which, <laughs> yes, which, will, which will be exciting. Uh, you know, taking a, a look at, you know, Alex Lang is, is someone that we want to touch on with LSU. Uh, a look at, at Stanford, obviously. Alex the, Lang the could be in the mix there. to go 1-1 one, one to the Twins. Twins pick 1-1. One, one. They, they already took I mean, one. That is though. another part, but that's another part of the, the already, rebuilding of the Twins yeah. is, is that they're going to pick high. And hey. they have two former scouting directors now on the staff and that. Deron Johnson and uh, Darren Johnson and Mike Ratcliffe are not the scouting director, but they both have been the twin scouting director, and they are both still in the front office. Uh, but now Sean Johnson takes over, West Coast Crosschecker promoted scouting director. Great feature on him if you want to read about Sean in the Wichita Eagle over the holidays. Sean caught at Wichita State. I didn't know any of these things in this feature. I knew he played at Wichita State, but he was a catcher there, little used catcher, but still, like even after being named scouting director, still went back and worked Brett Chemnitz's winter camps <laughs> at Wichita State. So um, I have to talk Wichita with him at some point, you know. Yeah, I mean, your wife's from. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I've spent many a day at Wichita State. Campus. Yeah, so I mean, this is so. 
congratulations, you're our scouting director. Here, go, don't blow the first overall pick of the draft. With <laughs> no two pressure. dudes with two dudes who've done your job over your shoulder. I mean, like yeah. I, I mean I know they're gonna let him work because I know DJ and I know Ratcliffe and they're great guys, but they gotta get this right, don't yeah. they? I mean they can't afford to mess this one up. Yeah, I mean this is a this is a golden opportunity to, you know, start to stock up that system as we're talking about. And you know, there is obviously some talent out there, you know, ready for plucking. I mean you talked about Alex Lang, you talked about, you know, Faido. You know, a guy like Hunter Green. You, you know. mentioned Stanford. Tristan Beck, I don't think is. I think yeah. he's that next tier. But yeah. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't shock either of us yeah. if Tristan Beck wound up on the Twins' radar Yeah. at 1-1. So, yeah. um, and, and so you mentioned Stanford. Uh, you mentioned Alex Lang. Anything, anything else that's on your agenda for the college preview issue? That's a pretty busy list already. Yeah, it's that's uh, obviously we're going to have all the the top twenty five previews and the the conference previews and, and all of that to look forward to. And JJ so it's will be out on the small college, small college yeah, preview. Small college preview. So, yeah. gotta say it's been quite the coup the last couple of years for me to hand that off to JJ and to get him excited I, I, about that. I, no, no, I, 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 and I play out my excitement because I know you know I mean, it does bring me pleasure. It but brings you pleasure, I don't but have to do also, that anymore. I'm glad that you don't do it anymore for your sake. I it's mean, a good thing I don't have to do that anymore. But at the same time, it was always fun to find. Some of those guys. So, yeah. um, good luck on on having some of these guys uh, to write about next year, uh, whether it's Jermaine uh, Palacios um, or Wander Javier. Yeah. Looking forward to Wander Javier making his, his domestic debut. I'm sure so with the Twins. But they give him like four million dollars. Yeah, they give him a lot of money. So, I mean, he's still 17. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch his his progress over these next few years, the wander years, you know. You know <laughs> most of these guys. <laughs> we got at least two Lanana puns on this podcast. Which that's, is, uh, the over-under was four. The under. I was yeah. going to say, that's under the under still. But yeah. This is, but this is, most of these guys will be available for you to write about again next year. Yeah, so <laughs> we can just copy and paste. Uh, exactly. So for Mike Lanana and J.J. Cooper, we will not copy and paste this podcast, and the next one will be a little bit less, uh, little bit less loopy next podcast. American League West podcast, JJ, right? You're going to start plowing through the American League West? Look forward to it. Well, I mean, yeah, you're, you're going to be uh, out of the office for the Angels podcast. I think that was by design. That's unfortunate because I really would like to rain blows upon their farm system. So for JJ and Mike, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.